Hi, I'm Aaron Lee, an Australian pop artist named Airports. I want to take you guys on the journey with me through everything. Not just navigating the music industry, but overcoming personal demons, life-threatening illnesses, self-development, and even growing a successful side business. I wanted the right co-host for this, so I flew from Sydney to Brisbane before COVID just to get together with one of my best mates named Bryce Campbell. And we recorded this first season of the Human Things Podcast. I hope you guys enjoy. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast. Um, what are we talking about today, Bryce? I don't know, but we've got some gusto about it, apparently. What are we talking about today? <laughs> I've lost my notes. We are t- <laughs> wait, oh, wait, wait, I know this. It's- today's subject is... <laughs> Cults? The, sh- the shit Bryce forgot about. Yes. <laughs> yes, okay. cults, cult followings, cult cults gatherings. Cults and cult followings, cult gather- gatherings, cult rituals. Ooh. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe another ritual. <laughs> yeah. Why are we talking about this? Because I think it is applicable to the music industry. Mm. But also I've had some experiences in my life in religious institutes that I felt got a bit culty at times. <laughs> And later found out to be a bit like a bit culty. actually yes. like yeah. written on paper type yep. deal. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I've got today's strategic T-shirt is a vintage shirt I have that says, I survived Jamboree 93. It looks like some kind of scout camp or Christian camp or something. But it's great because it's really, I think it was serious at the time, but it's really funny I love, now. I love the little slogans. No mall, no video games, no money, no, no MTV. MTV. On the other side, no parents, no, no phone, phone, no, no dates, dates or girls, girls and no pizza. <laughs> obviously the greatest camp in the world. Yeah, obviously. That's, that's literally all the, well, I mean, I guess maybe not parents, but all of those other things make things fun. Like... <laughs> <laughs> no, MTV, no pizza. No pizza. That's my favorite one. Yeah, that's I know. So, like, it's I get like, the whole video games, more money, pe- uh, phone, dates, girls, things, but pizza? Like, mm. all right, yeah. well, we're going to have Twinkies instead. This isn't it's, the war on diabetes, obviously. <laughs> like, shit. So, uh, I don't know why I wore this. It reminded me of like Christian camp. Like, I'm not allowed <laughs> like, to do all these things. You're not allowed to have fun. Uh, but actually, no, all the Christian camps I, wo- I was on were actually fun. True. To, you know. But it's like that stereotype of what yeah, a Christian the, camp the stereotype of like you're not Kumbaya, to my Lord, do that's anything. It. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I grew up in in church from about the age of thirteen, fourteen uh, until uh, for a lot of years actually, and then through those developmental teen to adult years, mm. I was w- deep in church life, and that's fine. I still somewhat believe, um, you know, in in God, and I really really resonate with the story of Jesus. Mm. I just, um, I think I've broadened my horizons and there's a lot of topics within Christianity that I can question now Mm. um, since I left the herd, so to speak, in in a way. But like no lack of love to any of my friends, a lot of them still who, uh, you know, in church, in in the community and also those churches because there are a great, uh, disclosure, there's a lot of really amazing people mm. of all kinds of religions and Christians and churches out there. Yeah. And I'm not lining up and firing at like the no blanket terms. No on this blanket show, firing <laughs> of people. None no. of that. Um but as you know, Bryce, you were around a lot for the a lot of the Christian like youth group tours mm-hmm. and all that. Um that we were doing at the time. Which were also great, also fun. 
no lack of love to those people that put us on and yeah. the great people in those communities. But I do want to address in this podcast where where's the line between um, healthy religious organization and controlling mm. dogmatic cult-ish behavior? <laughs> True. Well, I was myself, I was fortunate enough the... Church I went to was, I've only been to one church, like as like a, you know, air quotes, home church or, mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it. Yep. Um, it was cool. It, it was super open. Um, like that being said, I did not have any super intimate talks about yeah. like the taboo things in my life, but the way our, like, even though the pastor is not the church, obviously, mm-hmm. Having him as kind of a figurehead, as all pastors are for a church, um, yeah. how he would talk and communicate and act, like everything. He, he was a very holy man and he was a lot younger than most, like what you would expect a pastor to be yeah. aged at. So he would very much be open to a lot more in, you know, in how I feel mm. is very typical in churches currently. Um, like I know like the stories you've told me, like a lot of pastors can be very like close mind, be like, well, that's against the Lord. Like not none of that. But every- I mean, at the same time, a lot of these people in leadership positions in these organizations, they're, it's they're literally their job to mm. uphold the moral codes. Yeah. And they have to do their job. Yeah. Otherwise they don't have that job and they don't have that, you know, it's like if... Um, well, I think we all have to uphold some amount of moral code in society. Yeah, yeah. So it's like if you see a politician or a celebrity doing something that they shouldn't be, um, that be you know, it ruined their career. And mm. it's the same in church, but the line is a lot crazier, like because it yeah. just because of compared to the rest of the generalized secular world, um, because of the religious principles, uh, like, by religious I mean like in that faith, in that belief system, because yeah. of the principles in that belief system, the, the do's and don'ts, so to say, are a lot heavier mm-hmm. than the general world. True. Um, and with fair cause, because they're trying to instill a moral code and uh, standard in their people. And I think that's great. And I actually got a lot out of that and why I, I think I related to church um, not just because my mum was a Catholic and I had that already that inset like belief of God. Um, I think why I resonated with the church is because it felt safe when I was young. Mm. I think I wanted community. I wanted belonging. And those people, unlike at the time, my friends in school who friends in quotes were like, and this is, I'm talking about young, like junior high. I always kind of felt loner and a bit used and, you know, not treated well. Could have been my perspective based on my mental um, situation at the time, I could have been more of a victim mentality, mm. and my victim mentality could have said, "No one treats you right." But then when I went to church, they showed me a lot of love, especially the older people, and I got that approval from older, cooler people. Yeah, and I got that acceptance no matter who I was, and I really wanted that, and I loved that place, and it made me feel really good, and be- I belonged, and I was loved. And I wasn't getting that at school, um, and that's why I joined, but. Uh, as I grew up, I then realized a lot but a few people in that community with me genuinely treated me the same or cared about me 
um, depending on how much I was living the faith out or not. Mm. And that's Mm -hmm. the exile complication we have with these communities is that, and I've noticed it and I still notice it, there's people that will literally not want to know me as soon as I say, oh, I'm not going to church in a moment. Yeah. It's like... I don't know if they're scared. And I probably was one of those people when I was wrapped up in it. I was one of those people too. And I'll be like, I wouldn't want to go and hang out with... No. I did. Yeah. But I like, I did go and hang out with people, good friends still, lifelong friends that mm-hmm. were never in church, mm-hmm. living the sinful life. I was also, you know, I was in nightclubs all the time playing yeah. music. Like, I didn't really care. But there were times where I'm like, I can't be around all these sinful people. I need, I need my godly people yeah. to ground me in the belief, but also I think just make me feel safe and protected. Yeah. yeah. Perhaps because of my emotional fragility. Mm. Um, that social aspect definitely yeah. carries you through. <clears throat> yeah, mm. it's, it's interesting the whole, you know, I don't want to be around the non-Christians type thing because I, I feel like that's, yeah. that's definitely rung a bit truer for myself <clears throat> even. In recent days, because I've, okay. I've been out of church now for like probably three years, right? I want to say, and yeah, like ever ever since I left, it's like I've only had a couple of friends that were like big time Christian that like I was super close with. Yeah, but ever since that, and like because you know we we had a few extra ties outside of that just church life, like whether that was like school or friendships, mm. uh, just forged through whatever. But definitely the church thing was like, it almost felt like as they grew, you know, closer in their relationship with God mm. and like the further away I went from church, it's like the less connected we were as people. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, I, I felt the same except for a few, a few people yeah. that I yeah. feel are like genuinely just connected well and good friends. Mm. I'm not saying now that everyone from my church life is like that. Not at all. No. I think also people have their own lives and grow in different directions. It's it's unfair to say just because I'm not as involved in church as I was, they don't want to know me. Yep. It also is proximity. Oh, you know, it's 100%. like your workplace or school. Like you're not going to keep up with the people from school you after you leave away, school. Yeah. yeah, or if you move away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I think maybe we've taken it. We can take it a bit personally because there's a belief system in, involved and there's mm-hmm. different belief systems involved. But <clears throat> I will say this, there is a broad, from my perspective, and I was one of them, there is a lot of people in the Christian faith, unfortunately, that are super close-minded mm. to everything else out there in the world. And sometimes those other things out there in the world I've found personally can actually point back to the existence and edification of God. Yeah but we choose to block it out because it's not scripture. Yeah. But what I've also learned by doing deep dives and research into scripture sometimes is that um, scripture is so much deeper than what we think. And pe- again, black and white people, people try and make everything black and white when it's not. Mm. Life is not, life is gray. Yeah. And it's just if it's black and white, it's much easier to decipher and just be yeah. like, yep, yeah, I'll stick to that. That's so, simple. So many topics I get frustrated with where I'm <laughs> like, Christians are like, like, okay, so I don't want to talk too much on this because yeah, everyone yeah. has their own opinion, but like I'm vegan now and I did my, I was always, I when I went vegan for dietary and ethical and environmental choices, I 
also wanted to know, I was a bit perplexed because still kind of being rooted in Christian theology, I was like, well, where does this stand with the Bible? Because mm. I was always told, not from the Bible, but told by the community, we are meant to eat animals. They are made for us to eat. True. And that's just generally what a lot, not all, but a lot of Christians around me would think. Mm-hmm. And they always glorified barbecue and all that stuff for some reason. <laughs> and um, I was like, well, now that I'm going vegan, I, I want to know, are there Christians that are also vegan and what do they think about it? Just out mm. of interest. So I did some research and um, took some Facebook polls, a.k.a. made a status and everyone fought on it. <laughs> um, and I just was appalled at how many Christians are offended I mean, oh, people, really? people in general are offended oh, yeah, by the of idea course. of veganism because you're, you're taking away food they love. And I, yeah. I once was one of those people too. So, yeah. you know, I was there, I get it. But <clears throat> when I was literally like, I've done research now, I feel like the Bible is trying to tell us that we're meant to coexist with all creatures and if they're created by God and it's our apparent job biblically as humans to... Um, look after the earth and all its everything on it, and show empathy and love and be these people of you know love. Mm. Why are we doing that to these creatures? And I would pre- present that idea to Christians, and they'd be like, "Bro, the Bible said that women to eat them, man. That's their purpose." And I'm like. <sighs> That doesn't make sense to me with the idea of God. Same conversation yeah. with homosexuality, yeah. other genders. Now I'm like, that just doesn't make sense. Like if God is love and all that stuff, you know, yeah. we could go real deep in theology, but they're just some of the things that I personally am like, I struggle with now. Another potty, another version one, another trip down memory lane. This this time, it's actually a trip down memory lane, more so, because, yeah, we're we're doing single together. Mm. Um, Right now is a two-year anniversary of this song, Single Together. It feels like it was a month ago to me, but still banger. It's also a cute, there's a cute irony in having a two-year celebration for single together. (laughs) Yes, but hey, it's alright. One of us has to ride that ride that pony, I guess. And that is What's you, good? my friend. <laughs> Living the bachelor. That is me. Life. I'm just jaw ruling it, man. I'm living it up. But <laughs> it is what it Spe- is. Speaking of speaking, actually speaking of like, I love that song, Jaw Rule, Living It Up. Speaking of that era of of like R and B and that music, very good segue, Bryce, because this song, single together. <laughs> was like an intentional homage to that era of like party R&B, like house party art to me anyway. Um, <clears throat> that, True. I love that era. Like, uh, man, just like a fun, like upbeat party song. Uh, I think I actually... Aww, back when back when R. Kelly wasn't problematic, man, those <laughs> were some good times. <laughs> I think he was always problematic. <laughs> back before we knew he was problematic. <laughs> hey. That's the and one. Then, <laughs> and I also referenced a bit of Drake in this because at the time, I think I was really vibing. Um, I don't know if it was nice. I think it was nice for what, that tune. That inspired mm. this. And I literally, so I, how it started, I was in Melbourne. Um, my mate Laurent, who we've talked about before, Laurent, 
He was he, he, he produced Don't Sleep Anymore. We've talked about this on another episode. Mm-hmm. Him and I rocked up to our mate Hamley's house in Melbourne, another wicked producer. Shout out Hamley. And he was showing us beats. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm looking for something to write to at the moment. Um, which is weird because a lot of these songs we've talked about were songs that I've had other people work on on the beats for, even though... Uh, a lot of my songs, like not including what's released, but like all the songs I've made that I have, mostly I do entirely myself, but seems like all, mm. all the good ones so far have been with other people, which is totally fine <laughs> and great, and that's the power of collaboration. Mm. So anyway, Hamley's yeah. showing us some beats. Hamley's showing us some beats to, uh, to write to, and I wasn't really feeling, I guess, what he was doing because he usually, like at the time, he was doing more more beats for rappers and so they had like a different vibe. I kind of wanted a more like commercially pop kind of thing. And I'm like, bro, mm. play like at the end. I was like, play me the one thing that you have intentionally not played us. Like, play me the thing that you're like, they won't like this. So this is weird. No one will want to hear this. Like, <laughs> play me that thing you're hiding from us. And he plays this, and it starts that. Dun, 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 dun. I was like. Straight away, I'm like, I'm feeling this. But it had like a Latin beat. And then I said, can you actually right now like redo that beat and give it that that kind of beat that's in the Nice For What uh, track by Drake? And then him and Laurent worked on it a bit. I kind of like stood at the back of the room, started vibing, coming up with lines. <laughs> <clears throat> I came up with like... And I think I wrote Don't Get Your Panties in a Tangle and I wrote a few other variations because I was like that that's weird like what a weird line like that's cheesy <laughs> sounds whack and then eventually that was the line that stuck because it was the the, the oddest and the, and it was the most ridiculous yeah. and I think it worked it sticks out it sticks out in like yeah. not too corny a way like the delivery is good I reckon the delivery in that line is is where what redeems it because yeah the first time I heard it I was like all right like I was listening through but that's the thing that Spiked for me. Yeah, and what's but, funny yeah, is, like is it, some it, it, people go, "That's funny." I love, I love that. Some people have gone, mm. "That's so cheesy, man." I, this is, I hate this song. Like, which is good. So that's the <laughs> polarizing line, and I'm happy to have a polarizing line in it. Absolutely, <laughs> and, and we'll check out the good old version one because I know it is incredibly different to the uh, the final version. But uh, mm. yeah, I'm smacking now. Yeah. I got dead things trying to pull me back to that old place But tonight's safe, baby, we're a new page On that new wave You got your high heels on and your doche I think I'm drunk in love like Beyonce Now I ain't falling yet But we can turn that Uber black into a private jet I've been working more to try and get you working less I've been working more to try and get that success Don't stress Don't get your panties in a tangle Yeah I've been looking for somebody like you Yeah don't get your panties in a tangle Yeah I've been looking for somebody like you Yeah Oh, oh, oh. But if you feel untethered Baby, we can be single together Yeah But if you feel untethered Baby, we can be single together Yeah If you feel untethered We can, we can be single together Yeah Boom, so just short and sweet. Uh, that was like, just under a minute 20, and the final version's like twice as long. That first version I did after I got home from, from that trip in Melbourne, so 
uh, Hamley and Laurent did some work on the beat. What you can hear there, we have we have a running joke yeah. with Laurent because um, he like literally all he added was a ring that little like chime like ring <laughs> that piano roll. And like I'm like, bro, you've earned that three percent publishing for that piano roll. And like, <laughs> it was such a running joke. I ended up just giving him three percent for that. <laughs> Incredible. Um, That's brilliant. Since since the demo, you've added another verse on top of it just to fill it out, and also obviously changes to the vocals. Um, oh, I redid the vocals a funny. few times actually. Yeah, it's 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 amusing to me hearing the first version, like first take vocals when they don't stick because it really brings out the Australian accent in you. Yeah, yeah. And then you purposefully avoid that, I've noticed. So that's the only time I've heard, yeah, like an accent come out and it sounds more like that than anything else, which is good. But yeah, listening to demo one, it's like, oh, there it is. There's that There's that 50% coming out. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know which way to steer with this one because the first verse is very rappy and... Um, mm. But I just, I've never been a fan of me using a strong Australian accent. I think maybe growing up on mostly American music, I've just been like, you know what, I'm, I'm happy to just polish, like shine that, that way a bit. Um, mm. Mm. I redid all these vocals because they didn't deliver, deliver like hard enough in the demo, but it, it was a demo. And I did it as soon as I got home from Melbourne. I, I wrote some more. I mean, even the, the the opening line. I think I came up with in the shower one day before we even started that track, and then I kind of had it in my notes and threw it back. And it was like, um, I think that was the inception of this song, actually, because I wrote originally, as you can hear in that demo, I said I got some dead things trying to pull me back to that low place. Mm. I ended up changing it to I got some old things trying to pull me back to that low place. But tonight's safe, baby, we're a new page. And it was about like going, all I've written about and thought about is all this depressing shit in my life. I just want a fun song. So I'm like, this this song is going like, hey, I've been dealing with that, but like I'm time to not deal with that. It's time to have fun. Let's move in this direction now. So that's mm. where that line comes from. It opens with that. Um, and it goes into a full like kind of fun night out, tune in the girl kind of song, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I got old things trying to pull me back to that low place But tonight's safe, baby, we're a new page On that new wave You got your high heels on and your doche I think I'm drunk in love like Beyonce Now I ain't ballin' yet But we can turn that Uber back into a private jet I've been working more to try and get you working less I've been working more to try and get that Middle class flex, man Like going, you know, like we're not ballin', <laughs> we're not ballin yet But we can turn the Uber black into a private jet That's that little dicky flex right there We're, we're, we're broke, but we're making it look good <laughs> I think the funny thing about this song is you can't tell if it's serious. Like, okay, what I heard is I heard some industry feedback and why some particular people at particular radio stations didn't know what to do with it was because they couldn't tell mm. if it was a satire joke or if it was serious. And because it was two in the middle, they just didn't touch it. That's what I got told, insider information, which to me right. is weird because I listen, like, I listen to a lot of hip-hop like half of what I listen to is hip hop, and like isn't mm. like isn't so many rap songs basically like funny and ironic, but also serious. Like that's just how a lot of the genre is. And because I grew up on a lot of rap, I don't hundred percent. I don't see it any different. So I think in Australia, it's like 
a bit more like you got to be one way or the other. I, I don't know. It's just the feedback mm. I've got. As an Australian artist, I don't think it's, I think it actually comes down because you're an Australian artist. If you're an international artist, that's where the True. getting it comes from, I reckon. Because, yeah, you're completely yeah. right. Like, um, uh, like who, who was it? I was listening because I, I really enjoy the Genius videos. And mm. I think it was, I think, ASAP Ferg doing a video about uh, jet lag, which came mm. out like last year or something like that. And um, yeah, a lot of it is like, you know, him being legit and flexing and, you know, this is stuff I've done. But then, yeah, heaps of the lyrics are also just like play on word, ad lib, just to be funny and, you know, kind of yeah. jar the listener. And, you know, that's the whole point of it. It's just to get a reaction, elicit a response. So yep. Uh, yep. Australian industry is very interesting like that, but it's very unfortunate that radio stations didn't touch it purely for that fact. That's very silly. Oh, I don't know if it's purely that. I mean, there's probably many reasons, but like from one of them I got some insider feedback Hmm. and this person was like, this is why I believe from knowing the other hosts why they didn't play it. So um, anyway, but I love eliciting the responses, man. I, I feel like maybe I do it too covertly even in my writing because... Even the second verse, so like I hang out in your room like your Gucci and you still see like your clothes that are hanging on the rack. I'm allergic to your cat butt. You keep mm. throwing me that. And I don't say the word, but it's meant to say <laughs> another word for cat. Yeah. I hang out in your room like your Gucci and you still see it. I'm allergic to your cat butt. You keep throwing me that. Got no problems with your exes, they never and I just don't feel yeah. like anyone really picked up on that. Like no one's been like, "Ha, oh, that line like you were meant to say." And I was like, "Yeah, it's about sex," but no one got it. <laughs> so um, it's funny. It's funny that you say that because even I didn't pick up on that. Okay, well I then think I need to do a better job may- of being yeah. Literal. Maybe it's a delivery <laughs> thing. Maybe it's Probably a delivery is. thing. That's okay. I'm, I'm sure, here learning. I'm trying to. This is good. This is helping me be better. Thank you. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Always welcome. Um. The I'm um, interested with the actual subject line of the song, like the title single together. Mm. Is is this just like something that had played on your mind over time, like through experience, th- or is it something more recent that had like hit no, you? No, I think I think I, it was while I was writing the song, trying to come up with those lyrics. Mm. Somehow I landed with the word single together, and I was like, "That's a dope concept," because it's like <laughs> if you're you know like it's that in between relationship where it's like. Mm. Hey, if you if you if you're feeling too much pressure, it's kind of like that sly dog kind of guy. Like you know, hey, yeah. hey, baby, like you know, you may not if you don't want to be with me, that's fine. We can still be to single together. Like we can still be together. But yeah, not a thing. So it's kind of like that casual kind of like, you know. Um, I get that. Yeah. But originally, in as you hear in the first demo, it was if you're feeling untethered, like not with anybody else, we can be single together. Mm-hmm. But I felt like that was too too much. And so it's uh, if you're feeling the pressure, baby, we can be single together. Like don't feel pressured to be an item. We can still we can still we can still be on the down low. You know. Mm. It definitely delivers a lot harder, that's for sure. Mm. It's yeah. I'm and, very and yeah, proud just, of the concept. Changing one lyric, <laughs> I don't know yeah. I don't know if the whole thing even got across to people, but like I really like the concept personally. True. No, that's great. That's fantastic. Yeah, it is. It is really good. Like I, I really enjoy doing the version ones because I get to get a more direct approach to 
how it's come together. And mm. because again, I'm a very visual person. Mm. I um, yep. like just listening through to something. I'm, there's only been like a handful of artists I can just listen to and get immediately. And that's been like Ray Shrimmer, Post Malone, um, somewhat ASAP Ferg. Like, but it's, it's, there's no rhyme or reason to why that is. It's just something about their delivery that I can pick up on easily. But for the most part, yeah, yeah I need okay. need visual stimulus. Otherwise, I get lost like that. So right, yeah. But um, that's why I love. Yeah, but videos. no, this is yeah. Hmm. Oh well, yeah, a hundred percent. And I think yeah, the single together music video that was um this, with this the dance video crew, is interesting. right? It's it's a very cheesy video. So again, I think I packaged this song in the wrong way. Where again, I didn't realize till after, people are gonna look at it like either going to be like, this is really lame, he's trying to be serious, because prior I was more of a serious artist of my releases, or the people who get it are going to be like, this is completely a joke, which it it was. Like, it was, mm. well, I guess it was in the middle, because it was me just like, I had to throw a video together quickly and had some friends who choreographed it, shout out Taylor J, and she got some some of her friends to come and dance, and then it was just like, I can't dance but let's just kind of make this work here. And it was it was reference of the Drake Hotline <laughs> Bling video where he... Yeah, you know, like I he can can't, tell that. He, he's not a dancer, but, like, he's doing his little viral moves and then, like, yeah. I want, you know, it was just kind of... And also it was meant to be that homage to those cheesy, like, 90s videos. Like, I actually referenced... Um, originally I referenced Getting Cheeky with it, Will Smith, where he had, like... The crew oh, dances with like this blue background and like all this stuff and the big the big pants <laughs> the big jumpsuit pants and yeah I wanted to make it look more like that but there were time constraints budget constraints we just knocked it out it is what it is it's cheesy it's mm. cringy and hard to watch for me now because, <laughs> because of me not because of anyone else just me like I'm like oh why did I put myself in this situation but you know. It, it was a fun song and it was meant to not be taken too seriously. So I, I hope the video <laughs> reflects that. <laughs> well, certainly in some parts, like I was just like perusing it while you were talking just then. And yeah, like there's definitely a lot of parts where the, the like gag comes, comes across 100%. The red outfit daggy. with the red glasses is 100% my favorite part. Pretty daggy. That's, yep. it's, it's got some like... That's it's some nice. Here's a bit of Drake. Here's a bit of Rich Brian, and now you've got Aaron and Run DMC uh, with the red shot, the red. It's <laughs> just goofing yeah. about. <laughs> it, yeah, look, nah. uh, it's it's a it makes me cringe. So it's all good, but we're, as we said, we're, we're learning. We're out here. We're learning. Yeah. Don't get your panties in the tangle. Yeah. I've been looking for somebody like you. Everyone involved in this song, uh, Hamley, Laurent on a production, uh, and then I, you know, I did my usual thing where I flipped the beat a bit, added guitar, mix it, all that. I uh, also had Jessica Jade and B Moon help me out with some backing vocals, which really took the song to another level. And after they 
added their backing vocals, I was like, yep, I'm feeling this now. This is almost done. Good on everyone. Well, as always, uh, Single Together is out on all good platforms. Music video as well, which is a is, it's an absolute must to see. Uh, if you couldn't tell from the hype up that Aaron was giving it just before. Check it out, guys, and meet you back on the podcast. I, to be honest, I love. I wish sometimes I was still as delusional and naive as I used to be as a young Christian. It's easier. Life is easier. Life is black and white. <laughs> now it's like I can't why I struggled to go to church and there's nothing against the people and the church and what they're trying to do. It's literally just, I, I hear opinions that I don't feel right about, mm. but I am not allowed to test them. Yeah. As a congregation member and not a pastor or not someone up there. You're not allowed to say I'm not allowed to question out. it because then yeah. you get in trouble, then you get exiled. And segue to the whole idea of cults is when something starts becoming cultish, it's when there is no open conversation. It turns into you're right or you're wrong, and if you're wrong, you're out. Yeah. You know. Um, if you don't follow what Head Honcho reckons, then yeah. see you later. <clears throat> Have you watched the Explain series on Netflix? No, I've not. No. Really cool. Um, they have one on cults, and I, I watched that recently, and I was like, oh, my gosh, um, the, char- the characteristics of a cult, um, a church I used to be in, which I was in for most of my life, it was healthy at times, but by the end it was really unhealthy mm. and um, it all kind of fell apart and I left during that falling apart. But there were a lot of characteristics that kind of ticked the boxes in the characteristics of a cult. Yeah, um, I've got the infographic up here. Plus. Like, Yeah, like um, the indoctrination process is like you're at a crossroads in your life, you need to choose for your eternity, you know. Then the soft sell of like, you know, come along. Come to youth group. There's a band playing. It's fun. <laughs> Come to church. We have a good time. It's a family. Um, then you're presented a new reality. Like, you know, all your hopes and prayers will come true. Um, you know, then there's a, there's a leader. There's a pastoral or religious high up main figure of influence. Mm. I'm not saying they're all bad because I've definitely known some that are incredible, good, humble people. Yeah. And they have their be- and I'm again. I'm not saying anybody in any religion or belief system, uh, especially the Christian Church, is wrong. Not at all, because most of the people there actually have the best intentions mm. and do a lot for the world and community. Um, even the often flamed mega churches do a lot for like the less fortunate yeah. in the communities. They provide a place for people to have belonging. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think maybe that's religion's purpose. But mm. then when it starts turning into this, this is where it gets cultish. You've got a leader who is more like a dictator. Yeah. And what they constantly present to the people of that community is we have a common enemy. Mm. And this is where it gets toxic. <laughs> so, of course, in Christianity, the common enemy is actually called the enemy and they mean the devil or Satan yeah. or whatever, right? Yeah. But suddenly it can, it can quickly turn into the enemy is the non-believer. Yeah. And if you go extreme, you've got like, you know, religious extremists who are want, to, want to kill anyone who doesn't believe. That's like the extreme version of creating a, a, more, a, like a common enemy. Which is hectic irony, especially like biblically. <laughs> Any, most religions that should be about peace and love. Yeah. But um, all of a sudden you've established a common enemy 
and it can be the unbeliever or the other people, mm-hmm. not inside our circle. And then peer pressure that's like, oh, if, you know, why aren't you, why aren't you doing this? Like, for instance, my, an old church I was in, they used to love going out, praying for people, evangelizing, yeah. going on mission trips, being at the, the conferences. Yeah. And something I, I identified a while ago, because uh, especially in the charismatic churches, there's a lot of marketing and, and modern kind of presentation and everything is looks good. And I'm all about excellence and quality. And when I was in the church world, I, that was my thing. I found my way by being a creative who strived for creative excellence. Yeah. Um, even to the point where I was teaching church music teams how to like innovate their music in church. And I've been part of some great uh, church albums that I've worked on. Um, and I've still got some great friends and I hope that I get to work with them more. Mm. They may not feel the same after I, you know, honestly express where I'm at in this podcast, but no. and that's okay because I get that they have standards with their community, but I actually do love working on that music because it's, it's very fun and freeing and creative. But um, <clears throat> I've seen the hard sell in churches where, where it's like, for instance, um, guys, if you don't come to our conference this summer, Honestly, you guys are going to miss out. God's going to do so much at it. Um, man, man, if you want God to show up in your life, I'm telling you, you need to be at this conference. And it's like... That's a salesman's pitch right there. Yeah, well, it's so Big it's actually time. so common in these churches. And everyone sits there in a yes man. And they're like, yeah, amen. It's going to be so fun. And it is and it is a fun conference. Like most of the time those conferences are great because it's a community yeah. of people, often a bit bigger. It's a wild week. You're learning things and everyone's rowdy and having fun. It's a party. But you just instilled envy and jealousy and FOMO in the congregation when you said, if you don't fork out your money and come to this conference, you are missing out. If you don't buy this book, you are missing out. That's FOMO. Mm. And according to the Bible, that's not God. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. So there's things like that. So that's the peer pressure factor of the cultish behavior. <laughs> and then the final key is the sociopathic narcissist. Our favorite. Our favorite we people. Love that one. Our favorite does people. <laughs> so in one church I was in, um, I felt and believed that by the end of it, the key leader was extremely sociopathic. And I had a little bit of an insight into his life. And I knew that he had his own hurts and trauma or whatever, uh, his own needs for approval and to prove himself. And I think it turned into a really narcissistic thing because the church wasn't performing very well. Uh, the numbers were dwindling. Uh, it was being audited <coughs> by the main association. Um, so we apparently we had to report every week numbers, the amount of money given to the tithes, which is Whoa. totally another topic. Um, <laughs> and, you know, just how many converts per week, how many people Whoa. converting to Christianity. Holy crap, man. And they were like targets. They were like corporate KPIs. Oh, my God. And I God. was like, when I found out, I was like, what? Like we have to hit spiritual targets to be funded. I get that the government to somewhat funds religious organizations and I get that there has to be, you know, a a board of people that allocate those funds and they have to have, you know, um, KPIs and stuff. They they know that's going to go somewhere, but, and maybe we're only being audited to that point because 
we were literally going under. Yeah. Um, but Man, anyway, con- converts. That's it was. Yeah, that's it seemed, next level. It felt really off to me, but but anyway, because maybe because of all that, the the key leader felt a lot of pressure potentially, and then all this dodgy stuff started happening where people were getting kicked out. People yeah. like all this stuff, and I had a run in as well with this person, and during this run in, that person's um, his whole persona who used to be to me was like a spiritual father almost. Yeah. For years of my life, I looked up to and we had a good relationship. Suddenly turned overnight at me and was all like, and in a private conversation um, where he was drilling me about some some stuff that, um, that apparently I was doing wrong, which in this meeting I was being extremely kind of like shamed and put down and it was, it put me, it landed me in my first massive anxiety attack and depressive state and I think that's where my big bout of depression for years started. Um, it was very traumatic for me because I went from like a good relationship with these people to suddenly I was their enemy. Mm. And he basically said, um, you and many others of this church are the reason the church is going downhill and I have to prove, I, he literally said to me, I'm going to show them that it's your fault, not mine even though he's the responsible leader for the whole church. Wow. So my partic- uh, particular situation, I was like, well, I know what I did and I didn't do anything illegal, um, so I'm good. And he's like, you're still an evil person because you sinned. Oh, my God. And I'm like, well, you taught us that. We're not what we do. We're who, like, you know, who we're also, meant to be. Also, like, bro, what did... What did Jesus do on the cross, though? Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. I actually brought that up to him, like, and, and he was like, "Well, you've been evil." Oh, gonna... so what? Uh, yeah, it was really weird. Past, and, present, and future. That's that's <laughs> like the whole thing. That's why. Yeah. Oh, and I'm not again <laughs> not saying all churches are like this oh, or not at all. all leaders are like this because they're not. And there's places where, and there were people in this church that didn't go through this, but there mm. were other people in this church with me that also had similar situations with him that I talked to and then some of us went through counselling mm-hmm. and the general consensus, consensus from professionals who were looking after us said, this church identifies as a borderline cult. Jeez. because of, And, and I, at that point when I went through this, I finally realised um, that this leader is a sociopathic narcissist, I'm most, I, I think. Mm. Um Hopefully that person is doing better now, but uh, it was, yeah, it was a real toxic time and 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 that's really what creates a cult. And I'm glad that the church didn't continue actually because like it got kind of like liquidated by another church. But, oh, true. Um, okay. And that leader wasn't in that position anymore, but um, it was really sad because it went from somewhere that was good when it started and it turned out being like a power trip. This person had their vision, they didn't get it, and they blamed on everyone else and, like, threw everyone else under the bus. And I, I've seen that person threaten people from the pulpit, from stage. What? Like, blanket threaten people, like intimidation. Oh, wow. I've seen a lot of intimidation from the stage. Wow. Like, passive, like, it plays it as a joke, but really it's like, don't fuck with me. Yeah. I'll, I'll do something to you. I got connections. Like, I, I literally saw it happen in front of me many times. Wow. And... Um, I saw the intimidation one-on-one and to other people one-on-one. That's that sociopathic thing. Uh, It's like, uh, what was that cult? Big, I think, 60s or 70s, Jonestown. Do you know about that? 
Oh, not not a lot. It sort of rings bells. Uh, it was like some crazy father pastor dude and he created like this hippie cult following and they he moved them all into South American forest and created Jonestown and had them all living there. And then when, when the authorities came in to suspect and try and help people get out of it, he mass suicided everyone. The term... Um, drank the Kool-Aid comes from that because they really? put cyanide in the Kool-Aid Whoa. and made he made everybody drink it and it was like 600 people that all died that day they they mass suicided it's crazy That's but if you go back and listen to the tapes um, he was definitely a sociopathic narcissist religious leader That's that went from started good and ended up in that terrible place That's so Thanks for listening to the Human Things Podcast with Airports. You can follow Airports on all social media at Airports Music. And I've been your host, Bryce Campbell. You can catch me on Facebook and Instagram at The Third Son. <laughs>